Welcome to Crime Wave, a podcast featuring mystery, thriller, and suspense authors and the stories behind their stories. Crime Wave is part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network with over 4 million listeners worldwide. I'm your host, Bonner Spring, and my guest today is Eric LaSalle. For all of y'all who've been hiding under a rock for the past couple of decades, let me introduce you to Eric. Actor, director, producer, Eric LaSalle is best known to television audiences for his award-winning portrayal of Dr. Peter Benton on the critically acclaimed medical drama ER. Educated at Juilliard and NYU's Tisch School of the Arts, his credit ranged from Broadway to film roles opposite Eddie Murphy in Coming Into America, Robin Williams in One Hour Photo and Hugh Jackman in Logan. Eric has maintained a prolific acting career while also working steadily as a director, taking the helm for HBO, Showtime, NBC, Fox, and CBS. He remains a valued member of the Dick Wolf Entertainment Camp after four years as executive producer and director on Chicago PD, in addition to directing episodes of Law & Order and Law & Order Organized Crime. As a writer, which is what we're mainly going to be talking about today, uh, LaSalle is the author of several critically acclaimed thrillers, Laws of Depravity, Laws of Wrath, and 2023's Laws of Annihilation. He's also written an episode of The Twilight Zone, which made WGA's list of 101 best written TV series. He lives in Los Angeles, California. Wow. Just wow. And welcome to Crime Wave, Eric. Oh, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, I'm delighted to get a chance to talk with you. Um, so I wanted to start, uh, I heard you speak before about your early interest in writing, that writing, not acting or directing was your first creative love. Could you give our listeners a little backstory about the twists and turns that eventually brought actor, director, producer, Eric LaSalle to author? Uh, yeah, it was an interesting journey. Um, I started, um, I, was, I was fond of poetry and short stories at an early age and uh, loved reading, uh, you know, like Mark Twain, Huckleberry Finn, you know, those types of things. And uh, so I started writing uh, poetry at around eight, uh, you know, as well as an eight-year-old can write that stuff. Uh, and um, it started, you know, for me growing because then you know, I had relatives that would ask uh, for me to write poetry if they, you know, particularly the males in my family, if uh, something was, you know, some girl caught their interest. Uh, and they, uh, so I sort of became sort of like an uh, de facto uh, Cyrano. <laughs> and so, uh, so that, <laughs> you know, that was, that was pretty cool. One thing that there was one, uh, I don't necessarily know if it was a turning point, but one interesting thing was, uh, a relative of mine asked me to write a paper for them, and uh, and I wrote it. And the teacher uh, told them that um, there was no way that they had written it; that this was written by an adult. And and so, and I was about twelve at that time. And so that probably was maybe one of the first indications that maybe what I was writing was, you know, interesting and elevated above, you know, my age. And so, uh, but then I got into acting at 14, uh, joined the fresh, as a freshman, I joined the uh, drama club in high school. And, uh, and so then the acting, you know, took over, but I originally went to, uh, not to audition, but I wanted to write a play 
for them to perform. Uh, they were not interested in that at all. They told me, you got to audition. So we did a production of Raisin in the Sun, uh, the acting bug bit at 14. And then of course that carried me for a few decades. Uh, I was then um, deep into my acting, early into my acting career. And I was actually fired from a job because they thought I looked too young to play opposite um, a big movie star actress. And so I was pretty depressed about that. And so, um, and I knew then, I think I was around 28 or so, I knew then that I didn't want to spend the rest of my career um, being that vulnerable. Like even when you're doing everything right, you're doing your homework, you're working hard, you're showing up, uh, the director is praising you. And then two days later, you're replaced. Uh, so I enrolled in filmmaking classes. And, um, and as a result of filmmaking classes, we had to write short films to direct. And so that's when the writing bug came back. And so then I started writing uh, films to direct uh, and produce um, uh, short films. Uh, and then I started writing screenplays. Uh, and then I just kind of developed a crazy idea that I would try my hand as a novelist. And, uh, and I tried. and it, First time didn't go great. Um, but one thing about writers, um, we, we know how to salvage even our bad stuff. And so I repurposed some of the first uh, book and put it into my second attempt, which became the Laws, the Martyr Maker series. Uh, and so and then from there, I just kept writing, writing and, you know, being turned down by every publisher in town multiple times. and. Uh, self-published and got you know, wrote another book, got turned down, uh, you know, and then uh, finally, after about eight years or so, uh, landed a publisher, and uh, and then they rebranded and uh, repackaged uh, the books that had been self-published, and we started the series off with that, and now we're into the new books. So, uh, so it's been it's been an interesting journey, but that's that's sort of how I became a writer. Or, or an author, I should say. It's it's an absolutely wonderful, you know, uh, full circle sort of story. I love it. I'm I'm actually gobsmacked to hear you say that getting turned down for an acting role made you turn to writing, because if there's anything authors know, it's that publishing business will break your heart for yeah. sure. I mean, consider, you know, how many times did you get turned down for an acting role, Eric? Well, I've been, you know, that was, here's the interesting thing. Obviously, I'm built for rejection. Um, you know, I mean, as a, you know, I go as an as an actor. Of course, you get rejected several times, uh, but you know, you're right. You're, it's it's rare that you're turned down several times for the same audition. Uh, but you know, but I but it definitely I think thickened my skin. Um, you know, that whole process. That's absolutely necessary to get by. I think now. Um, the Laws of Annihilation, which is sort of mainly, folks, what we're going to be talking about here today, is the third of, I think you've planned five books in the Martyr Maker series. Is that right? Yes, around five. I'll, I'll reevaluate, but originally it started off as a one-off. Then I wrote a second one. Then it, then it was going to be a trilogy. Uh, but then I just started you know, coming up with stuff. So right now I see five and uh and we'll we'll take it from there but right now yes wow. series is five okay life could be very interesting if there's six or seven how about if we start out um um with your introducing your um your your 
your big three main characters. They're such an intriguing group, the folks that you, you, you're you trotting out in your various stories. Well, uh, we started with Laws of Depravity. And uh, ironically, I created the antagonist before I found my protagonist, uh, because I read an article uh, about how all of uh, Jesus's disciples were brutally murdered. And that's not in the Bible, but a lot of biblical scholars, if you Google it, you, it'll show you that they, they were beheaded, they were crucified, they were torn limb from limb. They, they died horrible, horrible deaths. And it wasn't just 12, it was uh, closer to 30. And so I read that article and I was inspired. So I, I said, wow, you know, it'd be interesting to come up with a modern day serial killer who's killing fallen clergy in the same manner that Jesus's disciples were uh, murdered. Mm -hmm. So that's how I came up with the antagonist first. Then I said, okay, well, who's going to pursue this brilliant guy? And, and it's very, tonally, it's very much like the movie Seven, where the killer is preaching a sermon with their kills. So uh, so I thought I had like a really cool uh, antagonist. So then I wanted, I needed to obviously balance it uh, and even supersede it with um, some interesting protagonists. So uh, very much like the movie Seven, um, I came up with uh, two partners, uh, two detectives that are considered the best closers in New York City. Uh, one is Irish, Italian, American. The other is African American, uh, and they are the best closers. They only work high-profile serial killings, uh, and so they are the ones pursuing the case. And then they are joined by a Jewish female FBI agent who has also been uh, pursuing um, the current killer uh, for years uh, because, because the killer has been killing in different cities. And so now he's in New York. So the three of them serve as my protagonists. Each book will focus a little more on one of the protagonists uh, because their journey is sort of connected to the crime. So if you look at the Italian Irish uh, detective who is Catholic, who grew up Catholic, well, he was molested by his priest. So he's now investigating crimes against the clergy, fallen clergy. So he has torn feelings. The second book, uh, the African-American character, um, his name is Fee, um, and Fee's father was a notorious Harlem gangster who's now turned legitimate businessman, but he did some really, really bad things in the past and they come back to haunt him. And, and that's the case in the second book. So the first book focuses a little bit more on Quincy Kavanaugh, our Irish Italian uh, cop. Uh, and then the uh, second book focuses more on Fee Freeman. And then the third book focuses on Janet Macklin, who is our Jewish FBI agent. And uh, she, they are confronted with hate crimes. Uh, the the uh, opening chapter, uh, first of all, she's diagnosed with terminal cancer. Uh, and then in the second chapter, uh, we discover that two rabbis, two beloved rabbis have been viciously murdered in a synagogue. So now we have a Jewish FBI agent along with her two partners investigating this hate crime that, of course, hits close to home. So each of them have personal stories based on the crimes that they are investigating. 
That's that's fascinating. Yeah, it's a, it's a really it's a really nice way you you describe the puzzle without giving too much away because of course the whole point of this is to get people curious about what hap what happens next. Um, laws of annihilation is is such a I guess the right word is cinematic read to me that I know that I'm I'm tempted to ascribe that to your TV and film background. Would I be right in thinking that? Yes, that is you. You nailed it. Yes. And, uh, you know, when I first got into writing, you know, there was sort of the ego of authors. Oh, I never watch television or I, you know, we're, I'm a true writer and I'm, you know, whatever. And I got into it um, definitely with the clear intention of using my history in uh, television and film to help shape my books and to then create a literary franchise that is then eventually turned into a film or television franchise. So my writing is very cinematic. It is heavily influenced by, um, you know, what I do, what I've done for decades, uh, you know, even writing screenplays. So I, I want people to, when they read, I want them to experience things as though they are seeing it. That makes it very visual. And, you know, there's always a fine line of advice, you know, because some people say, well, don't paint a picture too too clearly because you want the reader to fill it in or whatever. And um, I, my personal experience has been readers have been uh, so appreciative of the cinematic pictures that I paint. And they say, they always say, oh my God, I see it. I, I can smell it. I can feel it. So you're very, very um, astute. And, you know, your observation is, is, is dead on. Um, that is intentional. Good. Well, I'm delighted to hear that. Um, and you sort of led me into the, the next thing I really want to ask you about is sort of with all the different ways you've now experienced storytelling and all the different venues that you've been doing. Could you talk a little bit like what, in your opinion, makes a really great thriller? Ah, oh, awesome <laughs> question. Um, well, it's what I think this. I think that you have to have original kills. Uh, you have that's why I think seven was so interesting. That's why I think um, even something that was based on book um, Silence of the Lambs because um, it was so original. And so we've seen certain tools, we've seen certain crimes. I think it's really important to have very smart, uh, brilliant antagonists um, because they have to elevate your protagonist. Your protagonists can, you know, they, they, they have to really stay ahead of brilliant people, which then makes them even more brilliant. And so there's also the mystery. One thing that I do um, when I got into writing and, and particularly writing thrillers, I felt that many 90, for me, 95% of thrillers are predictable. Um, we, you know, a crime is committed. We are introduced to our cops, to our good guys. We know that ultimately the cops are going to catch the bad guy or bad guys. We know that. So what I started saying was, I'm not going to make that the singular primary goal. My, what, what makes, I feel uh, based on uh, feedback and reviews, um, what makes my books or what have made my books successful is that 
You don't know if the protagonist will survive intact. You don't know because these stories are so personal to them. So they have to go through a hell in order to find themselves. So my books, my thrillers are as much about the protagonist going on a spiritual journey. And so now the we, we start getting uh, the readers invested in not just will they stop the bad guy? And that's very important and the stakes are really high. And that's another thing that's really important. How, how high are the stakes? What is the great threat? So if the audience, if the reader can feel like, oh my God, I want them to catch this bad person because really horrible things are going to happen. So once you get them invested, that's important. But, um, but it's also for me, um, take making the reader wonder, will my heroes cross ethical, moral lines? Will they lose a part of themselves? Will they lose their soul? Will this case take their soul? Not just their lives, because their lives are also in danger, but will it take their souls? And so those are the types of things that keep a thriller for me original and fresh. And so then you also get different rewards um, and disappointments because someone can solve the case, but also lose a part of themselves. So then there's tragedy. Um, and, and so I think that that type of dilemma makes for great thrillers. Thank you so much for that. That was excellent. Um, so I want that as a TED Talk. And if not as a TED Talk, then I want you to start teaching at UCLA's film school or something like that, please. That was excellent. <laughs> um, I have heard I have heard other authors um, uh, talk about plotting as something that they take their protagonist and they try to figure out the sort of problem that will make their protagonist face their fears or their challenges in their lives. And it sounds very much to me, I think you said it really well, but it sounds very much to me like the same sort of thing that you're talking about. Um, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, you have, you have a, you know, in Laws of Annihilation, you have a Jewish woman who has just received um, um, news that she has terminal cancer and she's then handed the biggest case of her life and she is. Uh, somewhat um, sort of in the middle of her spiritual journey. Like she hasn't, you know, she, she has been slightly indifferent to her Jewishness. And so now this case makes her investigate not just the crime, but it makes her investigate her own sense of attachment. The book, you know, the book deals a lot tribalism, the, the, the tribes we're born into, the tribes we choose, the titles, the, the tribes of hate, the tribes of love, the tribes of our profession. Um, and so here is a woman who is, um, you know, diagnosed with terminal cancer, who goes on a spiritual quest as she's trying to stop these hate crimes against um, Jewish people. And so that to me is really, really layered and interesting. Yeah. Considering all the layers, what you were, what you just said, do you know, this is more of a process question for all the writers who might be listening. Um, do you know before you start the exact direction your story's taking or do you sort of make it, make some of it up as you go along? Oh, no, I wish. I mean, <laughs> I, I, you know what I do? You know, there, there's, a, there's a phrase that says, there, there, there are two stages of writers. There are either writing or thinking about writing. 
that's it. <laughs> so I spend a lot of time thinking about writing, I, uh, thinking about my story. So before I start, I just I let things marinate. So in that regard, I by the time I actually start doing it, in that regard, I do have a good idea where I'd like to go. I would have to, I would say it's 60, 40, quite honestly. I think I know 60% of where I'm going. I think 40%, like I'll be inspired by a chapter. I'll be inspired by introducing a character. Um, I'm, you know, I've, I'm spinning characters off in one of the books um, who has a you know, small role. So I'm, I'm, I listen to the writing. I listen to the characters. I listen to um, the direction. And uh, so that's that's to me about forty percent of that. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So, um, can you share a little bit about what you're working on right now? Just a little. Uh, uh, as far as writing, uh, so I have "Laws of Annihilation" is the third book in the series. Um, I have the, a, a fourth book written already, uh, but I may try to because the fourth book is a spinoff. And uh, I'm contemplating whether or not I try to squeeze another franchise mm -hmm. book uh, in before. So maybe it switches orders uh, so that I start doing the spinoffs for book five instead of book four. So anyway, so I just started that process. Uh, so I'm writing either book four or book five. I'm not sure which, but I have I have a fourth book already written and ready to, ready to go. Um, but like I said, I might hold off on it because ideally what I'm working on now would fit better as book four than it slightly better at book four than it would book five and and, and it reads because all of my books end with such cliffhangers and so um if we do it the way that I'm doing it because uh, a lot of people are like oh my god what happens to this character so it will be answered in in the new version of book four so that's that's what I'm working on yeah I actually heard someone say at a panel um, once that um, a good series book ending isn't a, a door closing, but a door opening. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that sounds like exactly what you got in mind. Um, listen, Eric, before we go off the air, can you tell the listeners um, where they could find you online and in person if you're doing any live events so that um, any readers out there can have the thrill of meeting you? Yes. Uh, well, we have a website. Uh, I am Eric LaSalle. I'm on all social uh, platforms, uh, Instagram, TikTok, uh, X, which is formerly Twitter, uh, Facebook, and all, everything is under Eric LaSalle. Uh, and so that's some, I, and I, I really enjoy corresponding with readers. Uh, so I'm, it is me because sometimes I was, I was uh, responding to a reader who made a comment and they said, oh, yeah, right. Like, this isn't his assistant. I'm like, no, really, it's me. <laughs> so uh, so I am very, uh, like I said, I, I, I do enjoy that. So uh, so you can reach me on all platforms. And like I said, the, and then the website will let people know all upcoming uh, events, uh, live, live events. That's all very clear. Well, I, I thank you so much for coming by to chat today, Eric. Best wishes for Laws of Annihilation and for all of those future endeavors of yours. And I hope you'll come back for book four or five or whichever well, one comes, yeah, well, comes yeah, next. I'll, 
Yes, I'll be back. And I'll, and by that time, I'll know the exact order. But yes, I will definitely be back. This has been a joy and uh, I really uh, appreciate what you do. Thank you so very much. Sure. Take care.